Hello, my friends. This is Bishop Campbell welcoming you again to a short meditation on the theme of living the Catholic life. In my last talk, I, I spoke about the role of the saints in the life of our Church and how November seems to be dedicated to our commemoration of all those saints and to reawakening our memory, not only of them as individuals, but also of the tasks that they performed for the good of the Church and the cause of Jesus Christ. And I used St. Charles Borromeo as an example. But if you scan over the liturgical calendar for November, you might be surprised not only by the long list of saints' days, but the fact that about more than a third of those saints are extraordinary women who have been, I think, a particularly interesting way of contributing to the upbuilding of the church. And they did this in sometimes unique ways. So I want to not only mention them, but to talk about them as women who rose up at the call of God to perform those unique services, and to offer those unique gifts to the Church. I think of St. Francis Xavier Cabrini, St. Margaret of Scotland, St. Gertrude of Helfta, the only female saint that has the uh, appellation of St. Gertrude the Great, St. Elizabeth of Hungary, St. Rose Philippine Duchenne, St. Catherine of Alexandria, and, of course, dear St. Cecilia, the patroness of music. And in looking over that, that list, there are some interesting pairings. The first is the pairing of St. Margaret of Scotland and St. Gertrude the Great, or St. Gertrude of Helfta, whose feast days are both on November the 16th. Both women were early on drawn to a life of learning and scholarship, which meant at the time that they lived, entering a monastery with a good library. And this, of course, was the center of uh, advanced education for any number of women. Now, St. Margaret of Scotland had expressed uh, that desire early on. But because of the position of her family and because of the political situation at that time, she forewent the call to the monastery and acceded to the wish of her family to marry the King of Scotland. Now, the marriage to the uh, king of Scotland, and in fact three of her sons became kings, did not set aside her love of learning and scholarship. She collected a, a large number of, of books, and in fact she even taught her husband, King Malcolm, how to read. It was difficult getting him to learn how to write because his hands were so shaped around a, a sword hilt that it was difficult for him to hold a pen. 
and often in his desire to write it correctly, he would break the pen and spill the ink. But Malcolm fell very deeply in love with Margaret because of her wonderful personality, her deep charity, and her compassion for others. And in fact, the story goes that Malcolm used to secretly watch which books Margaret chose to read. And if he discerned that one of them was a favorite, he would take the book, have it bound and jeweled, and return it to the uh, her shelf. And of course, she was surprised by the, the wonderful uh, gift that she had. But St. Margaret, because I think of her learning, her and her compassion, and also her extraordinary wit, became a political uh, force within the Kingdom of Scotland, and in fact was given credit for maintaining peace in a very turbulent age. And I say she's matched with St. Gertrude the Great, who had that wish for learning and scholarship. She was uh, particularly drawn to literature. She, in fact, did enter a monastery with a good library and devoted herself to using the library to learning, uh, to uh, further investigation, research, and scholarship. But through a vision she had of Jesus, who appeared to her under the title The Sacred Heart, she found that she really had not entered the monastery for the correct reason, went through a profound conversion, and became a leading example of prayer, devotion, and also creating the great devotion to the Sacred Heart. She has left behind some writings called The Divine Showings, but a lot of them were not original uh, with uh, St. Gertrude. Some were uh, uh, added later. But that terrific desire to know God and God alone, to realize the presence of Jesus Christ and the power of his love and mercy became the very heart of the life and work of Gertrude. In both Gertrude's case and in Margaret's case, what they eventually were led to do was not perhaps what they intended to do, but in fact, by their acquiescence, did achieve a great contribution to the life of the Church and the life of the world at that time. Another pairing is St. Cecilia and St. Catherine of Alexandria. As is true about saints from this very early period, it is difficult to ascertain the authentic details of their lives. But uh, St. Cecilia recognizes the patron of music because when she was on her way to be married, uh, something she really had resisted because she felt herself called to the life of virginity, She heard the pipes playing, and later medieval uh, readers and theologians thought she meant by pipes the pipes of an organ. Uh, It was probably just the pipes of a band, a wind instrument at the time. St. Catherine was known for her learning and her philosophy, and there's a legend that tells 
that when she was arrested and faced with the accusation of being a Christian, she was told to debate with 50 leading uh, Greek philosophers, and she overcame every one, one right after another. So that St. Catherine and St. Cecilia became kind of patronesses of art, of, of literature, of study, and also of, of devotion to the Lord. They were both honored as martyrs. In fact, St. Catherine, although, as I say, the details, the actual details of her life are very obscure, was one of the saints that appeared to St. Joan of Arc and uh, gave St. Joan of Arc both direction and, I think, a little courage. And then I, I think of the saints who were called to that active life of devotion and care of all those in need, which they did with great energy, profound wisdom, and no little courage and strength. St. Elizabeth Hungary lived back in the 13th century, part of royal families, married to a king, but widowed at the age of 22 with, I think, three children. But once she was widowed, she decided to throw off all the trappings, live very simply in prayer and humility, and give whatever she had to the poor. Because she knew that in serving the poor, she was serving Jesus Christ. But the other women that I associate with St. Elizabeth of Hungary were not women who were as extraordinary and sometimes quite unique in their penitential practices as was uh, St. Elizabeth of Hungary. I think of St. Francis Xavier, who felt that she didn't need a special uh, penitential practice because dealing with some of the people in political power and including the church was penance enough for her. But uh, St. Rose Philippine Duchenne was a French woman born in, in France and a member of the Congregation of the Sacred Heart, what I knew as a child as the Madames of the Sacred Heart, dedicated uh, to teaching. She came to the United States and served there for the rest of her life and became devoted particularly to the education of young women, founding many schools for that purpose. And because she was sent to Missouri and, and to the, the Midwest, she also found that there was an opportunity to teach among the Native Americans. She founded a, a school for the Potawatomi uh, Indians, and believed that that education done in the wisdom of Christ and with the compassion of the Lord was one of the greatest gifts that she could offer. And then finally, St. Francis Xavier Cabrini. In many ways, the most remarkable of these women. She was born in northern Italy, near Milan. 
She wanted to become a missionary. And in fact, there's a story that in talking with Pope Leo XIII, she said, I want to go to Asia. And the Pope said, no, 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 not Asia, but the United States. And she said, well, I want to be a missionary. And the, the Pope said, you will be a terrific missionary because the United States has been filled with uh, Italians who have uh, emigrated, Italians who are often left to their own devices. They need help. They need instruction. They need you. So she came to the United States, eventually becoming an American citizen. She was one of the most effective builders and organizers, I think, in American Catholic life. She built schools. She built hospitals. She built orphanages. She built uh, homes for the poor, for the elderly. In all this, she began simply by begging, then by asking, then by extraordinary business acumen that, that allowed that building, because she said that if there's a need, we must answer it. And it was not only among the uh, Italian-Americans that she worked. Uh, she said anyone who has a need can come here. She had an argument with Arch Archbishop Corrigan of New York, about uh, whom she should approach for funds. And he said, go only to the Italians. And she said, well, no, they may not have the sufficient funds. And Corgan said, no, I don't want you going to any other uh, Catholic group. Well, uh, she did uh, go. She said, well, it's open to, to everyone. And in fact, uh, in some of the schools she founded, she uh, allowed uh, the Italians to continue to pray in Italian, often study some of their work in Italian, but she said, you're in the United States now. You have to learn English, and you have to become part of, of the world in which you are. Uh, she uh, was, had a tender touch in, as a teacher and as one who cares for the poor and the sick. She could be ferocious when dealing with uh, the powers that be. There's a wonderful story told about how she wanted a plot of land in Portland, Oregon, for one of her uh, buildings. And she looked up the deed and found that it was owned by someone in New York City. And uh, someone, and I can't remember his name, it, it was something very common, like John Smith, but she got in contact with the, the sisters of her order in New York City and instructed them to take up the telephone directory and call every name that, that has that and find out who owns this, which they did. They tracked down through something like 22, 23 names. And the man who was finally approached was so surprised and overwhelmed, he just gave the land to Sister uh, Frances, an extraordinary uh, woman. In uh, her look, if you see a picture of her, you notice that she's rather short and she looks very delicate. But boy, were people surprised when they came to know her. But a woman of great vision, great love, and great building. And my dear friends, as, as we remember all these saints in November, remembering our own vocation, 
Thank God for the example they give, because there is always an opportunity to touch others' lives with the power of Christ, with the presence of the grace of God. And we want to do this in simple ways that may, in fact, produce extraordinary results. But we discern our vocation, we grow in it, we remain true to it, and trust in the powerful providence of God.